Good morning. Some of you have been here a while. Some of you showed up at 8.30. Thank you for coming back and, uh, or sticking around and, and enjoying some extra fellowship. I uh, was out plowing at about 5 o'clock this morning, and just as I was driving by, driveway after driveway, I thought to myself, it's going to take a little while to clean this up. Let's just uh, let's call the first service. And then I got stuck for about 45 minutes in that plow truck, and so I was kind of glad I made that call. Um, <laughs> So that was my morning. I hope yours was a little bit better um, and that uh, yours went a little bit better than mine. I'm planning on going in a different direction and talking about serving one another today, but I, I decided about an hour and a half ago, you know what, let's shift gears because um, I just felt like there was a message that we need to hear a little bit more today um, than we did. So uh, I usually put um, 15 to 20 hours into a message a week and I've put one into this one. So just hold tight. Okay. Um, but I wanted to start it out this way. What is the most, we're going to have some group, and I know it's a big group this morning, but we're going to have some group participation if that's all right. Good. Um, so what is the most encouraging thing someone's ever told you? Anybody? Anybody willing to share? What's the most encouraging thing? So, Mike. I'm proud of you. Man, that's a big one, isn't it? Doesn't it feel What's that? Happy. happy? To be happy. I like it, man. I like it. Yeah. Okay, Herb. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad somebody's told you that before. That's good. What else? Two or three more. Okay, Mindy. I heard that. To tell you you can't do something and then you'll get it done. There it is. Awesome. All right, we're going to go Tammy and then we'll come back here and we'll come back here. Yeah. I got your back. And that's a big one, isn't it? I got your back. I love you. That's a big one, isn't it? I appreciate you. I heard that one a few minutes ago. Yeah. You're my best friend. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. We're good friends. Yeah, that's awesome. This side has heard some encouraging stuff. Like, I hear nothing. I hear nothing from over here. We need like one or two from over here. Yeah, Stephen, what you got? You're smart. Awesome. That's a, that's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> your, parents appreci- your parents appreciated that one even more, I'm sure. Yeah. Good hustle chef. Are you? Nice. I didn't know that. All right, one more. One more. Give your pain to God and let it go. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I want us to talk about this morning encouragement. And we're in this one another series. And so the, the one another that we're talking about today, obviously, hopefully you've picked up on it, is encourage one another. Encourage one another. And I don't think we have to go very far, and I don't think we have to sell each other on the fact that this is a pretty important one for us today. Encourage one another. And I was thinking this morning uh, as I was, you know, dealing with a little bit of white stuff and, um, and stuff like that, I was, I was thinking, you know what, 
um, I think we could use some encouragement. So let's just talk about encouragement, encouraging one another. And the, way, the place we're going to launch from is Hebrews chapter 10, um, starting in verse 24, 25, very popular verses. But um, the writer of Hebrews says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I want to look at two things today. I want to look at the principle of encouragement and the person of encouragement. So the principle of encouragement is where we're going to start. And the Greek, uh, the word encourage means to call to one side. I love the, I, I've got your back. I love, I love that response. I love it when somebody comes up and you just, you know when they mean it and you know when they're just saying it. But I love when somebody comes up to me and says, hey man, I got your six. I got your back. Let's do this. Let's get this done. But um, uh, it means to call to one side, to comfort, to console, to, to strengthen. Basically, encouragement, if you're taking notes, write this down. Basically, encourage means to put courage in someone. To put some courage in someone. Because if you notice, when you encourage somebody and they feel encouraged and they respond, right, they, they, they look taller. They feel taller. That You can just kind of see a shift in their person. At the time of the writing of Hebrews, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, we don't know that, there was great persecution. And our tendency during such times, during such trying times, would be to kind of save our own skin or to each his own or, 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 or something like that. But the book of Hebrews encourages us to encourage one another. Someone wrote this, encouragement is the kind of expression that helps someone want to be a better Christian even when life is rough. To encourage is to inspire another with courage. Encourage is to inspire another with courage. It's interesting, it's interesting to note that the Greek word encourage is the one used for the name comforter of the Holy Spirit. People usually equate the works of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders, but when we encourage one another, we show that the Spirit really dwells among us. Encouragement, I believe, is one of the best indicators that the Holy Spirit is working in and through our churches. And so this word encourage in the present tense, it means a habit, it means a way of life. And Hebrews commands us to encourage one another as long as it's called today. If you look back at Hebrews chapter 3, as long as it's called today, we're called to encourage one another. It's an active voice. It means that we don't wait all the time for others to encourage us, but we take initiative. We encourage even if others could not, even if others would not. That's the call for us as believers. And I don't know about you, but when I think about the church, when I think about showing up here on Sunday morning, when I think about seeing some of you in Hannaford or seeing you kind of out and about, um, I think one of the places we ought to be able to look for uh, encouragement and know that it's going to come ought to be from each other, ought to be within the church, ought to be within the church. I, I remember um, 
I remember having a conversation with a pastor one time, and, and, uh, and he, he was talking about some tough times in churches um, that, that he had pastored, and, and, and he said, it got to the place, it got to the place, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but he said, it got to the place where some of our folks would show up on Sunday morning, and they would literally avoid talking to each other if they saw each other in the hallways. Like, like one person would kind of jump into the nursery. They didn't even have a kid, but they were jumping into the nursery just to, just to get out of the hallway to try to avoid talking with somebody. Um, and, and I thought to myself, that just shouldn't happen. That, that just shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't happen. Especially when it comes to each other. Hebrews chapter 3 says, when a person is discouraged, when we fail to encourage, sin can deceive and harden their heart. Look, at, if, if you have your Bible, you could turn to Hebrews chapter 3, just a few pages before in verse 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any evil, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is encourage one another, hold each other accountable, because sin can deceive and harden one's heart to the point that it becomes sinful and unbelieving, leading the person to turn his back from God. People live by encouragement. One author wrote, people live by encouragement. Without it, they die slowly, sadly, and bitterly. So let's break this verse down a little bit. Hebrews chapter uh, 10, he starts, uh, the writer starts by saying, let us consider. Let us consider, which means to observe attentively, fix one's eyes or mind upon. In short, we're to focus on encouraging one another. It's never accidental. It's always intentional. The message um, paraphrase puts it this way. Let's see how inventive we can be. Let's think of creative ways of encouraging other people. Think of creative ways to encourage other people. And when, you, and when someone encourages you in a creative way, right, what, what normally happens? You normally share about it. I was talking with somebody on Friday and and, and, um, and they, they were all happy because somebody had given them a Christmas gift that they were going to go use. And if you're looking for something to encourage someone by, um, uh, they, they were uh, going with their significant other, they were going to get a massage together. And I thought, oh, man. And so all afternoon, I just thought negative thoughts towards that person. <laughs> just like, man, I'm just not even impressed with you right now. Some of you are like, well, I don't want a massage, but, you know, a dozen brownies wouldn't hurt. Anyway, I'm just saying, just if you're looking for ideas. But, but let's see how inventive we can be. Let's think of creative ways of encouraging others. And when the writer of Hebrews says, let us consider how to stir one another up, how to stir one another up to love and good works, what he's saying is, let's be intentional. Let's be intentional. Let's do this on purpose. Let's consider how we can Stir one another up. And so this, this idea of to stir up, to provoke, to, um, to, to, to do something, in other words, is to create a thirst. And so what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get these, these folks to see is that they want to stir one another up to love and good works. To love and good works. To love and good works. To create a thirst for love and good works. 
That's how we measure encouragement. Not a fuzzy feeling, but to love and good works. And then he goes on to say, let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. All the more as we see the day drawing near. We usually use this verse to remind people to be faithful in attending church, don't we? We usually use this verse to remind people to be faithful in attending church. However, however, if you note the words here saying encouraging one another, encouraging one another, that means that even if we attend church, if we fail to encourage others, we've not obeyed this verse to the fullest extent. Showing up is half of it. But encouraging one another, encouraging one another is how we really fulfill this verse. Encouragement is the purpose of our coming together. Encouragement is the purpose of our coming together. I was listening to a preacher one time. He's talking about church. This was probably about 10 years ago. And he said, he said, you know, our philosophy is kind of like this. All of our small groups are these little house churches that meet all over the city. They, they had a church in Seattle, Washington. And, um, and, and, and so our small groups are all of, all of these, um, these little house churches that meet together throughout the week. And all Sunday morning is, is a time where we come together and we celebrate what God's doing and encourage one another. And I love that. I love that. Because so many of us, and we talked about this a little bit last week, we talked about it even a little bit more two weeks ago, some of us put way too much stock for our spiritual growth in the Sunday morning experience. I hate even calling it the Sunday morning experience, like worship experience. The Sunday morning service, church, church. Because what would it look like if you looked at all of your best friends or close friends and all the people that encourages you and, and say, look, listen, I appreciate you, and I'm going to give you one hour a week. One hour a week, not a minute more. The second you go over that, I'm going to start making my grocery list and figuring out where I'm going to go eat lunch. Y'all should really stop leaving your bulletins in the chairs, because as I walk through here on Monday and Tuesday, I see some awesome grocery lists, and I think, man, I can't wait to come over to this place person's house. You don't put your names on it, which is really unfortunate. But if you did, it'd be even better. But that wouldn't work. And yet we look at the God of the universe, some of us, not all of us, I, I, I get that, but, but, but for some of us, right, we would define our relationship with God to be a Sunday morning experience. A Sunday morning experience. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, no, that's, that's, in, that's incomplete, not neglecting to meet together as is, the sum, but in, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, then all the more as you see the day drawing near. What if our focus shifted on Sunday morning from how am I going to be fed, how am I going to be entertained, how are my needs going to be met, and instead we walked in here and said, how can I encourage five people in this room today? How can I encourage three people in this room today? How can I encourage one person in this room today? William Barclay wrote this. It's easy to laugh at people's ideals. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. 
Can I get an amen? We don't need any more. The world is full of discouragers. Anybody ever seen the movie Chicken Little? The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Right? He doesn't stop there though. He says, we have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Blessed is the one that looks at someone and says, hey man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Hey sister, I'm proud of you. Just keep trucking. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep. No, 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 no finding Nemo. Okay, very good. I told you, I just put this thing an hour and a half ago together. And so all the illustrations and stuff, they're just off the cuff right now. So, so you, you might have to courtesy laugh a little bit more today than you're used to. There it is. There it is. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who shares an encouraging word. So that's the principle of encouragement. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So now I want us to look at the person of encouragement. Because I think, for, I think sometimes it's, it's, you know, we can talk about the principle, we can get it, but in order for it to really hit our hearts, we need a flesh and blood example to see how this works out. I'm going to flip over to the book of Acts, and we're going to basically, I've got about three or four references in the book of Acts. Some of them are going to pop up on the screen, some of them aren't, but you can write references down. Again, it, it's, it's awesome that our, our video team was able to pull this together at all, and so uh, we're just going to kind of talk through a person, look at a person, and their journey as they were a person of encouragement and it'll make even more sense as we keep going you okay all right I still plan on preaching the same amount of time I would have if we'd only had one two sir if we'd have both of our services I hope that's okay I'm just kidding okay sorry Acts chapter 4, we're going to start there. Verse 34 is where we're going to start. And, uh, and, we, and we pick up there, there was not a needy person among them. And so, it, and so if you know anything about the book of Acts, Luke, Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts, right? And, and it's basically a story of how the church got birth. Jesus ascends into heaven in Acts chapter 1. The church forms in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus in the same day. We're baptized. Revival breaks out. And then we see all these churches start to be planted. All these miracles happen. And, and and the book of Acts is an exciting, exciting book. There's a lot of things happening. And, and in verse 34, we see something that's kind of common in the book of Acts. There was not a needy person among them. And we see that pointed out a few different times in the book of Acts about the church. There was not a needy person among them. Because when church people were around, when church was happening, they met each other's needs. They met each other's needs. I've shared this once. I've shared it a hundred times. I'll share it a hundred more times. The church of today, right, we've benefited from the book of Acts being the church because they instituted some things where they served the community in such a way that the community came to the church and said, hey, listen, you're helping us so much. You're meeting the needs of the poor. You're housing people. You're giving people shelter. You're giving people clothing. You're doing all of this. We need to help you out. How can we help you out? That's how the church got its tax status. Because you look here, Acts chapter 4, verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. They were meeting the needs of other people. 
For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Isn't that awesome? People were selling things as they sold land, as they, as they did um, business. They would, bring, they would bring the proceeds of what was sold, lay it at the church leader's feet, at the apostles' feet. Use it as you need. Use it as you need. Use it as you see fit. If you need to feed some people, feed some people. If you need to clothe some people, clothe some people. If you need to, if you need to buy a house, buy some shelter, go do that. Distribute it to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, person of encouragement, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so we see this, this, <clears throat> this man Joseph, right, got a nickname the, called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. This is our people, this is our person of encouragement, our person of encouragement. And so, have you ever gotten a nickname? I've had a few. I'm not going to share them with you because I don't want them to follow me anymore, Right? But we've gotten nicknames. People like to shorten our names. People like to point out a facial or bodily feature, the fact that you're six foot seven, six foot eight, depending on the, how your back feels that day. Um, you know, to, 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 to look at a quality in us, to give us a nickname. Joseph earned the nickname Barnabas for his unselfish, sacrificial act of selling his field to support other people. In the book of Acts... Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, singled out Barnabas among those who sold their properties to help others. Either the donation was big enough so that the apostles took notice of it, or he himself had, had set this trend of sacrificial sale. We don't know what the reason is, but whatever the reason may be, the apostles dubbed him son of encouragement or one who encourages others. Isn't that an awesome nickname? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? Barnabas. Son of encouragement, one who encourages others. It's important to note that Barnabas, that it wasn't Barnabas or just any other, any other believer, any other church member who nicknamed him, but it was the apostles. It was the church leaders of the time who put their seal of approval on him and called him Barnabas. But thus, let us ask ourselves, if I get a nickname for who I am or what I'm doing, what would it be? If someone were to give you a nickname, for who you are or what you're doing today, what would it be? What would it be? Would it be Barnabas? In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, um, it, that verse describes him as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. You remember what I said a little bit ago, that encouragement is a sure sign of the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. After giving the example of Barnabas, we see the, area, the error, error, error of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Peter described Ananias as one whose heart Satan filled. Acts had set a contrast between Barnabas and Ananias. In Acts chapter 6, Satan controlled Ananias, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, controlled Barnabas. This gives us a clue as to why he lived up to his nickname, Encourager, the Comforter, was in control of his life. Let me ask you, if you want a nickname like that, who's in control of your life? 
What's the motivation of your heart? Later on, Barnabas gave Paul his first ministry break, right? In Acts chapter 9, we see Barnabas sticking his neck out for Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle. We're going to talk a little bit about that more in just a minute. Paul just became a believer himself in Acts chapter 9. He had persecuted Christians before that, but when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Not believing, not buying that he had, was really a disciple and that he had changed his life. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas had Paul's back when no one else did. Barnabas supported Paul when no one else would like to believe him. I wonder what would have happened to Paul if Barnabas wouldn't have taken him under his wing. What would have happened to, to, with Paul? What would, you know, you can't help but think, what would have happened if Barnabas hadn't have given Paul his first break? When God opened a door in Antioch, Acts chapter 11, the early church sent Barnabas there. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. True to his nickname, the encourager encouraged them. Here we also find that to encourage people is to ask them to remain faithful to the Lord. Now, because see, I I think we have to deal with something right here for just a moment. I think we have to deal with, with something right here for just a moment. To encourage somebody, now listen to me, I think we have a bad habit. I think we've called something encouragement. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Um, I think we've called something encouragement that, uh, that isn't necessarily encouragement. It's not encouragement if you lie to someone. That's lying. Right? That's lying. It's not an encouragement because then, because then guess what happens, right? If you encourage them and, and they, didn't, they didn't do the job the complete way or the whole way, and it, but if you go and you say, oh, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm to choose, choose the higher ground. I don't really want to say the hard thing right now. If you encourage them in that, guess what you've created? A habit. A habit. A habit. And so, the encourager here encourages, right? But he doesn't, he doesn't tell him something that wasn't true. One of the biggest ways that Barnabas encouraged people all throughout the book of Acts, and one of the things that we start with, started with in the book of Hebrews was, was what? To encourage people to stay faithful to the Lord. To encourage people to stay faithful to the Lord. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody who was walking through a hard time in their life. And, and we, we, were, we were basically just getting real about the situation. And, um, and, and, and I, was, I was sitting there and, and uh, uh, I was a little nervous. I'll be honest with you. I was a little nervous because, I, you know, when, when somebody's walking through a hard time, how much do you say? How much do you not say? You know, how far do you go? And I, I decided yesterday, you know what? I'm going to push a little bit. I'm going to push a little bit. Let's just see what happens. It could go really well or um, not so well. And, and, I, and I pushed a little bit. And the, the, the person I was talking to turned and looked at me and said, listen, the reason I appreciate you is you shoot me straight. 
you wouldn't be my friend if you didn't shoot me straight. And so shoot me straight. So I shot him straight. Did he enjoy that? No. Did I enjoy that? Later. <laughs> like, hours later. And, and let's be honest for a second. We, it, it doesn't always feel good, right? It doesn't always feel good when someone comes to you and says, hey, you need to work on this. But that's encouragement. That's encouragement. They wouldn't love you. They wouldn't care about you. They wouldn't be truly having your back if they weren't telling you straight. If they weren't telling you straight. You remember what we said? I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago. But I saw, I saw that thing on social media that said more Jesus equals more of everything. More time with Jesus equals more of everything. Listen, we can't go wrong, church. We can't go wrong. We can't go wrong. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We can't go wrong if we're encouraging one another to stay faithful to the Lord. We can't go wrong. If we, I, I don't know. Listen, and, and I'm looking around the room for some of you especially. I don't know how to fix your life. I don't. But He does. And so the biggest thing that I can help you with, the big, this is not a self-help sermon. Hey, we just got to cheer each other on. We got to be each other's cheerleaders. <laughs> it is so obvious I wrote this message about two hours ago. <laughs> That's not the point. The biggest way we can encourage, and the way that the encouragers set the model for encouragement was to stir one another up to the Lord. Not himself. Not himself. Not the little group or the clique or the, the posse or whatever you want to call it that he had going for himself, but to stir them up to the Lord. And it gets even better. It gets even better. Okay, where am I at? Because it gets better. Okay, he, 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 he um, encouraged them to remain faithful to the Lord. He wasn't their cheerleader, but he encouraged them. He told them the truth. People wanted to hear the truth. It didn't always feel good, but that wasn't, that wasn't the point. Barnabas could have taken the Antioch work for himself in Acts chapter 11, yet he took the time, he took the money, and he took the effort to search for Paul in Tarsus. See, see Barnabas wasn't out to make his name greater. In fact, some of the areas where, where he was called in to do ministry, he sent Paul. Because Paul needed the training. Because Paul needed the win. Because Paul needed the win. Right? Do you ever look at your kids or do you ever look at your team or do you ever look at a group of people and say, man, they just need a win in their life. Like, they just need a win. My Tar Heels right now just need a win. In, in the worst way. Like, bad. Anyway, they just need a win. And so, and so Barnabas knew that. And so sometimes, sometimes Barnabas would kind of turn work down, so to speak, so that Paul would have the opportunity to go get the win. And then there's three missionary journeys in the book of Acts. Three missionary journeys that are documented in the book of Acts. Um, uh, when the team, Paul and Barnabas, sent, took their first missionary journey, there was this, there was this guy named Mark. John Mark, to be, example, to be exact, that was their helper. Now, I want you to notice John Mark, because this is where it gets even better. 
This is where it gets even better. John Mark was helping them do ministry. Um, uh, things were happening. Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos. This is Acts chapter 13. Came to Perga and Pamphylia. But John left them. John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. Most probably John's act was a fit of jealousy in defense of his cousin Barnabas that were, because they were, they, were, they were working together. And then it appears that Barnabas didn't even mind the shift from Barnabas and Paul to Paul and Barnabas because Barnabas Barnabas wasn't about himself. He was just putting others above himself. But sometime later, we see in Acts chapter 15, and this is important. I'm going to turn there. If you want to turn there, you can follow along with me. But Acts chapter 15, I know we've kind of jumped around a little bit in the book of Acts, but this is where it's all going to come together, I promise. Acts chapter 15, we see, oh man. Okay, verse 36 is where I'm going to go. And after some days, okay, things were happening. They had received a letter of encouragement. And then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And so Paul turns to his partner Barnabas and says, listen, let's go back. Let's encourage the churches that we've planted. Let's encourage the churches that have started in the word of the Lord and let's see how they're doing. Let's just check on them. Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, John Mark, Barnabas's cousin, right? He wanted to take them with him. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. Why? Because Paul had seen John Mark kind of turn his back before, kind of quit on things. And so Paul wanted to go follow up, again, true to his encouraging form. Barnabas wanted to give John Mark a second chance. It seems for an encourager, everyone is entitled to a second chance. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them already before and had not continued with them in the work. You continue going. Verse 39. I'm glad this happened in the book of Acts and it hasn't happened in the church of today. There arose a sharp disagreement. So that they separated from each other. There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and and Cilicia, uh, strengthening the churches. So the two separated. Now, Barnabas, again, wanted to give John Mark, his cousin here, a second chance. This is the last time Barnabas' name appears in the book of Acts because the focus zoomed in on Paul from here to the end of the book. Paul left a prominent partner in Paul and chose, uh, excuse me, Barnabas left a prominent partner in Paul and chose to stand by a person dubbed as a failure or a quitter. So until the end of, of, of our documents here, uh, I guess, on Barnabas, we see him as an encourager because he wanted to bring along this person that had kind of quit on them or had failed on them before. But I want you to see something. Many years later, we see Paul commending John Mark. My fellow prisoner, in Colossians chapter 4, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. 
You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. While waiting execution in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul asked Timothy to bring with him John Mark. To bring with him John Mark. We see at the end of Paul's life, while he's waiting execution, he's in the last moments of his life, he wants to see John Mark. Because when a person, when a person is facing death, he likes to surround himself with close relatives and dear friends, doesn't he? Don't they? In Paul's words, he says, Mark, John Mark is helpful to me in my ministry. The encouraging efforts of Barnabas paid off. And I want you to see something, church. We owe, we owe a lot to Barnabas. Barnabas changed the game of Scripture through his encouragement. We owe Paul to Barnabas. Paul went on to write 13 epistles, two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, if, if he wrote Hebrews, that counts 14. We don't know that, though. And we also, we also owe Mark to him. Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Thus, we owe almost half of the New Testament to Barnabas, this encourager, even if he didn't write a single letter of Scripture. And I don't know about you, but I think we need more encouragers like him. We need more people like Barnabas who sit and look at the failures, the quote-unquote failures, and say, you know what? They deserve a second chance. We need more people like Barnabas that go out of their way to intentionally look for people to encourage and to pick up and to say, hey, you got this. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're my best friend. I've got your back. Let's do this together. The thing I can't stop saying as your pastor and as hands down the luckiest husband and dad on the planet, argue with me, try. Bring it. I was standing around a group of people yesterday morning and just talking about all that God's doing in our area. And I just looked at somebody and said, only God. Only God. Only God. And those two words right there, just so encouraging to me. Because I look around and I say, you know what? I don't have to control this. I don't have to do this. God's got this. And I don't know about you, but I need people in my life that remind me, hey, it's okay. Stop. God's got this. You can trust Him. He's got a pretty good track record. And so, Before I pray for you, just kind of as we look back over this thing, the principle of encouragement. You may be sitting here this morning, you may sit and say, man, Travis, I just need some encouragement. I just need some encouragement. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Don't wait for somebody to give it to you. Don't Don't wait. Don't wait. I know a lot of the people that are probably sitting next to you and they would love to encourage you. 
well, you know what, Pastor? I don't want to be a burden. No, no. Here's the thing. Can, I, can, can, we, can we pause and talk about this for a second? Scripture calls us to bear one another's burdens. And so if you're sitting there and you're saying, listen, I just don't want to be a burden to somebody. I'm just not going to share. I'm just going to carry this on your own. You're robbing that person next to you of a blessing of bearing your burdens with you if you don't share that. If you don't share that. That's selfish. Well, it's selfish if I share it. No, it's more selfish if you don't. You don't need to protect anybody. If it's bugging you, it's bugging us. That's the mentality of the church. When I read the book of Acts, that's the mentality of the church. That if it was bugging Barnabas, it was bugging Paul. If it was bugging Paul, it was bugging Barnabas. That's that mentality that we have got to get back to. And so you may be sitting here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor, I just need some encouragement. Ask somebody before you leave. Hey, can I just tell you what's going on? Can I just tell you what's going on? Will you encourage me for a minute? I just need that. I just need that. I just need that. Some of you, you ready for this? Some of you need to stop being so negative. Let me change that. Can we back up? Some of us need to stop being so negative. We have so much to thank God for. We have so much to be grateful for. So much. You can clap for that, sweetheart. You can clap for that. If the snow is bugging you that bad, there are so many places that don't have snow. Like North Carolina, it ices there like once a year and things shut down for two weeks. It'd be great for you. No, don't leave. I don't want anybody to leave, especially because of snow. But you get what I mean, right? We, we've got to cut it out. Instead of being known by the encouragement that we see us being called to in Scripture, I see us being pulled to be known more for the critical people. The, the, uh, Bob Goff says it best. We're known, the church is known more for what it's against than what it's for. Man, I would rather be known as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, as a pastor, as a church member, as a, as a, as a, as a part of the, the church community. I would rather be known so much more for being an encourager and for being a place of encouragement, being a place where people just feel better when they leave and feel picked up and, and, and all of that stuff than something that's critical or negative. Are there things to complain about? Sure, I've got a lot. I told you, my team could use a win. But man, there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much to be thankful for. And so that's the principle, right? And so the second one kind of goes along with it. My challenge, my question for you today is would you be a Barnabas? Would you be a Barnabas? Would you be a person of encouragement? Well, pastor, it's not my gift. No, no, no. We've got to stop using that excuse. That's a cop-out for you to be negative and critical. You can be encouraging. Every number on the Enneagram can encourage somehow, 
some way. It's possible. Some of y'all didn't get that, but this whole side did, and it just really blessed them. All of us can encourage. You know how I know that? Scripture says so. Encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So how do you need encouragement? How do you need to be more of an encourager? Would you be a person of encouragement? Let's pray. God, thank you that that uploaded to Facebook. God, thank you that we have the technology that people can see this even when weather's bad and all of that. But God, today I thank you that you wrote encouragement into the fabric of who we're called to be. And so God, first of all, thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you that we have so much to be grateful for. Thank you for the ways that you are just um, uh, making yourself real among us and moving among us. God, we give you praise and glory for that because we know only you. And God, I pray today for the heart that is sitting in this room. God, that didn't even want to be here today. God, maybe they just came here because it's something to do. Maybe they just came here because it's what the family was doing. God, maybe they just came here not knowing why they were coming here. But God, I pray that today that person that needs encouragement in this room would be encouraged. God, whether they seek it out or whether someone just on the way out feels a nudge from your spirit, God, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you'd lift our hearts today. And God, I pray that we, that we, your people, your people here at Summit, would be known as a people of encouragement. God, that we wouldn't be known for what we're against, that we wouldn't be known for critical spirit, that we wouldn't be known for negativity, but we would be known for our generosity. We'd be known for our cheerfulness. We'd be known for how we lift each other up, build each other up, have each other's backs, and encourage one another. God, as I think back, as I think back to critical points in my life, critical points in my ministry, God, I thank you for the ones that have been encouragers in my life. I thank you for the Barnabases in my life. I thank you for those that have held my arms up. God, I know that they're the difference. They're the difference from the old me to the new me. They're the difference from the negativity to the encouragement. God, I thank you for them, and I pray that you would send Barnabases in each one of our lives. And God, today, before we leave, God, I pray that we would look intentionally for somebody to pick up. That we look intentionally for somebody to encourage. Whatever that looks like. However you would have us do it. I pray that we would be faithful in responding to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.